This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. And today I am so excited to welcome Jess from Our Mama Village. Jess and I have been trying to make this interview happen for a very long time. And you know, when something is just so important, you feel like you've got to get it out there. And it just feels like the world has been working against us. We had several things come up that disrupted our recording. And then when we finally sat down to record, there was a glitch with our technology and it wiped out the entire episode. So this is a re-record of that first episode because I feel like this information is so, so important and critical for every mama out there. Jess is the founder of Our Mama Village, which is a really, really popular Instagram page. And she supports mom in their own mental health, but also in their child's behavior. She is my go-to when it comes to the boys' challenges, especially things like potty training or behavior, hands-on, so many things. She has a free toddler meltdown guide. Like She just knows all the things. She's my go-to. And today she is here to talk about discipline. Now, when you hear the word discipline, you may not think that this is, you know, fundamental, groundbreaking kind of information that you need to know. But honestly, it really, truly is because your approach and philosophy around discipline is really going to shape your philosophy and parenting approach and how you approach your child in these really challenging times in parenthood. And trust me, I have been there in all the challenging times testing all of my patients. Uh, but today is a really important conversation around what is discipline? What is its purpose? What are we trying to accomplish with it? And what are the traditional forms of discipline that we all have kind of adopted that our parents have used with us? Are they effective? Are they not effective? And what are some things that we can do differently? So you guys, I am so excited. Get ready. Buckle in. This is going to rock your world if you've never heard this type of conversation before. Before we get to it, let's read the iTunes review of the week. This review comes from Cassie086, and it's titled Exactly What I Was Looking For. I was completely alone and struggling with no help or support from anyone. I was searching for some sort of reassurance that someone has felt the same And right as I felt I was at my worst, I happened to come across Erica's Instagram, which led me to the podcast. Thank you so much for talking about this and shedding light on something that isn't talked about often at all, but that so many women struggle with and are too ashamed and embarrassed to admit it at times. I know now that I'm not alone in feeling this way and that there are others who understand who will not judge your feelings. You've helped me immensely. Thank you. Guys, all the goosies and feels with this review. This is my mission in life to the ends of the earth that every woman would know that you are not alone in how you feel when you transition into motherhood. You'll have moments of immense joy and you will have dark moments and it's okay. You are not alone. Others have also been there. Without further ado, let's hear from Jess. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. 
I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Jess, thank you so much for joining us today. I've been waiting for this moment to have you on the podcast and pick your brain about all things kind of discipline, child behavior, all the things. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Erica. I love your podcast. I'm really excited to to be on here today. So why don't we start by telling the listeners, you run a really popular Instagram page, Our Mama Village. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about who you are, what your background is, and how you you started this big community that you run? For sure. Yes. Yeah. So my name is Jessica, as Erica already said. I'm a registered psychotherapist. So I work in private practice in Guelph, Ontario. So actually not too far from you. Um, and our mama village started after I gave birth to my daughter. So I was already working for quite a few years in the field of child behavior as a behavior consultant before I had my daughter. So I was working with families. I was working with some of the most complex behavioral cases in the city. I was working for a government organization. And uh, so I had quite a bit of experience working with families and working with children. Then after I had my daughter, as I think many of your listeners, and I'm sure you can understand, um, my world of parenthood was completely opened up with just a a different lens um, because now I was living it out as well. And becoming a mom was a lot harder than I had anticipated. I had a challenging pregnancy. And my um, postpartum experience was also filled with a lot of anxiety. So after going through that experience and having my own therapy and getting help and, and feeling better, I was just so surprised by how, as a therapist, I was not prepared for this transition into parenthood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think so many therapists, I think most of them who work in perinatal mental health have the same experience where it's just like, how did I not know this? And like nine years of school, like how do, how do I not know this? Um, or how am I not prepared for yeah. this? And so, and so I clearly remember the moment when our mama village, the idea started. My husband and I, we went on a trip, our first trip without the baby. Um, and we were on the plane and we we're just talking about what would it look like for me to go back to work? Um, because I was supposed to go back to my government job as a behavior consultant And um, I didn't really want to go back. That job was full time. It was incredibly busy and just like very high stress because it was the most complex behavioral cases. Um, And I said, I think I want to work with parents, but I think I want to work with them in a different way where I'm supporting their mental health and working with their kids as well. Mm. And so that's when kind of the idea for going into private practice um, started and also the idea for our mama village started. Yeah. And like I'm so I'm so grateful that you did. Like you the work you're doing is serving moms in such a powerful way and uh I can just relate so much to you and I know we have similar backgrounds in terms of our our schooling and uh you're not too far from where I am so Canada mm-hmm. represent like you know it's nice. Yeah. And uh yeah, so I'm so excited today like 
I love one of the things I think that I really value about your perspective is that you do come from this behavioral background and yet um, what we're going to get into in this more kind of like this newer movement and wave of, of discipline and, and we'll air quote gentle discipline. Um, Mm -hmm. like you have really both perspectives and there's a way that you tie them together in such a like a grounded, well-rounded way that I really appreciate. So I can't wait for us to dive right into it today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited that I've been able to kind of combine like more behavioral approaches, uh, with talking about like more of a gentle approach. Cause I think traditionally it's been so separate, right? Like we can't talk about behavior and talk about doing it in a gentle way. Like it's, it's one or the other. And so I love that we can talk about both and kind of talk about doing it as a parent who also struggles and who, you know, parents can't just follow this plan and it just goes perfectly every time. So exactly, yeah, I, I love talking about this. I'm really excited yeah. to get into it with you. So like traditionally when we're talking about um, like discipline, well, when we're thinking about behaviors, we're thinking about our toddler or our preschooler or child, whatever, um, misbehaving, or we're thinking about behavior, the, that often like equals must be disciplined in our mind, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. so there's maybe two pieces that we can unpack here um, as a bit of a of a mind shift is sort of one – what is discipline and what is its actual purpose? And two, like, does behavior just need to be disciplined? And what what is that behavior? What is what is our child trying to do with that behavior, you know? For sure. Yeah, so I think to answer your first question, like, what is discipline? So if we, um, as you know, and as I'm sure we'll talk about later, um, I've recently launched a course and it's talks about how to parent little kids with big feelings. Mm -hmm. And so in doing research for the course, I did a lot of research on like, what is discipline? What does discipline mean? Because I think that there's a lot of camps of people who say either discipline is, is bad and it's shaming to kids. And like a lot of people that have a negative connotation with the word. Um, so I just kind of want to unpack what it really Mm -hmm. means. And so if we look at the Latin root of discipline, uh, it's disciplina which means to give instruction or knowledge. So when we're true discipline, when we're really looking into discipline, it's educating our kids so that they understand appropriate behaviors, values, and how to control their impulses. Um, It's also based on a connected and loving relationship with your child. And something that I like to think about in terms of discipline is that it's not just something that we do only when our child is misbehaving. So it's not like our child's misbehaving and now we have to discipline. But I like to think about it more as like a lifestyle or something that we're constantly doing with our kids. Like we're always showing them what ways of behavior work and what doesn't work. And um, that's not only in the moments when they're having challenging behavior. So more of like, I guess, a lifestyle as a parent. Mm -hmm. It sounds like discipline is really kind of like the the structure or the containment. Like it's meant to be the system that teaches and guides, right? Is that kind of like I'm trying to think of it as like an analogy or like a picture in my head. Yeah. It, it kind of provides the boundaries and the structure or the norms of how we behave. Like let's say based on our values in our family, we use kind words instead of use our bodies or like things like that. It's kind of the helps to enforce or support the value system kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think when we can think of it more as, yeah, like it discipline should be aligned with what our values are as a parent and 
and who we want to be as parents and what kind of instruction and knowledge that we want to give our kids, then we're thinking about it a lot more as like, you know, just even the way that we talk with our kids and connect with them is, can be a form of like this kind of lifestyle discipline versus like we only pull out the discipline when, when something bad is happening or there's challenging behavior happening. Mm, Okay. So can we unpack, um, like behavior for a moment, because I think that traditionally behavior from our child has been seen as like um, just the child wanting to like give the parent a hard time or wanting to Mm -hmm. disrespect them or, you know, just being downright defiant. Um, But I know you and I know in talking to you and even in my own learning and understanding in this area that behavior is something else. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this question. I think it's so important. And I I love talking about this. So for me, and in all the years of behavior and everything that I have families that I've supported, what I've come, what I talk about with all the families that I support is that behavior is communication. Mm -hmm. And, and so behavior doesn't happen just because a child is bad, or because they want to give you a hard time, even though it definitely can feel like it. Um, speaking from a mom of a preschooler who has been yeah, so I definitely understand how it can feel like that, but behavior is your way, your child's way of communicating something with you. Mm. And so something that I'm always talking about is we just want to get curious about what it is that behavior is trying to communicate. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it has a function, it, right? Like they're they're trying to like yeah. something and it's not even intentionally like they're trying to like manipulate you has a function, yeah. but like they're trying to communicate a need that they have that they don't really have the vocabulary or the ability to just articulate verbally, right? Yeah, exactly. So if kids don't know how to communicate something, which is something that they learn, they learn that through hearing you communicate it, through hearing people at their daycare or their school communicate. Um, But it's not something that they just innately know how to do, communicate their feelings and what's going on for them. Mm -hmm. So if they don't know how to communicate, then they're going to do it in a way that they do know, which is sometimes looks like hitting or biting or um, other behaviors that have traditionally been seen as kids being bad is really them trying to communicate something with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is such a foundational and important um, thing to understand and shift in our thinking that needs to happen when we're about to go into these like traditional versus these different styles of discipline now, because discipline um, is really going to be shaped by how you view behavior, right? If you view behavior as your child just being outright defiant and disrespectful, then you're going to feel or react in a way that you want to punish the behavior or extinguish the behavior, but if you take it from you step back and you take it as a what is what is the need here? What is going on with my child? Are they overstimulated? Are they like what is it? What are they feeling? Um, then you can approach that behavior and therefore discipline in a different way. Yeah, exactly. And and I think also thinking about ourselves and our own values as parents, right? Like sometimes when our child is misbehaving, like what are we thinking about ourselves in that moment too? Yeah. And, and so I think it's also really important to do that internal work of what are our expectations for our kids' behavior? Mm-hmm. Are they realistic? Can they actually, from a developmental perspective, meet our expectations? Um, and kind of that goes back to like, what's the purpose of discipline? Is it to have children that are obedient to everything that we say? Is it so that 
yeah, I, I think it's important to kind of reflect on our own values as parents and, and our own feelings and triggers when our children be- behave in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I want to raise like boys, I have boys, children that, mm-hmm. um, that have their own critical thinking that feel like they can challenge something if it, they don't feel like it's right, not in a disrespectful way, but like to have freedom of expression and thought and be these independent children, people. Um, so I, I don't like just blind obedience or like just listening because I am your authority doesn't really um, like they do have to listen and they do have to follow the boundaries. It doesn't mean that there are no boundaries and that they don't have to be respectful. Like we value in our home being respectful to one another. And if I treat you with respect, I expect the same in return. But it means that, um, I don't know, like I'm also wanting to like empower them and build and foster that independence and provide them with the skill set rather than just have them follow a criteria or like a one size fits all approach. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's huge. It's so important to dig into our own, like we've been talking about a lot values as parents and think about what, like, why do we want to discipline this behavior? What is our purpose? Like, what are we trying to get out of punishing or stopping this behavior from happening? Is it just blind obedience? Or are we truly getting to the root of discipline, which is giving them instruction and guiding them and kind of teaching them new ways of coping with their big feelings? Yeah. Yeah. And if there's anybody out there listening who's like, what the heck are my parenting values? Like, I have no idea what we're even talking about. I do have a motherhood roadmap that helps you to unpack your personal values, your values as a parent, and also your values around discipline and and ciphering through like what you want to carry from what was modeled for you as a child with your parents through to what you want as you know, being in a parent in the parenting role, what you want to hold on to, what you want to let go of, and really carving out your own parenting philosophy. So I'll link that in the show notes. It's also on my website, happyasamother.co slash shop. And you can really unpack what your own values are through that guided journal. Okay, so let's kind of compare and contrast what we're talking about when we're talking about like discipline. We, ha- we understand the philosophy now, but there are sort of these different approaches, right, that we use to discipline. Traditionally, what are the things that you've seen that people often use to discipline? Yeah, so I, I think we can talk about three kind of more traditional methods of discipline that are still fairly common and that I hear about um, and get questioned a lot about uh, in my practice. Yeah. So like, Things like spanking, I would say, is one. Um, timeouts is another really common one. And taking things away. Okay. And so I, I'd say that those are kind of the three. And I don't know. I know you work with parents as well. So maybe there's some that you see um, kind of outside of that as common practices that are um, more traditional in terms of discipline. Yeah. Yeah, I see the taking things away one a lot as well, especially as you get more into like the teenage years when, you know, timeouts are really a thing. So can you help me unpack what it is about those that really aren't maybe the most effective when we're using them? For sure. So maybe let's start with spanking. We can start there and then I'll kind of go through all three of them briefly if if that sounds okay. Um, so if we think about spanking, so when we're spanking our children, we're not really teaching them why their behavior was wrong or a new way of behaving. Mm. So something like spanking, it introduces 
an aversive stimulus of spanking into the environment to make the child not want to engage in the behavior again. Mm -hmm. And so what you might see is that the behavior decreases um, in the moment or that the child doesn't do that behavior again. But the need that your child is trying to communicate through engaging um, with that behavior, they're not learning a new way to get that need met. Mm. So that's really like, that's really like striking me for a moment right now, because it's like, they learn an adverse reaction to that thing. Like they learn to not do it fear-based, it sounds like, out of fear. Um, And then the need just goes underground. The need doesn't get met or pops up like whack-a-mole in a different way because, again, behavior is communication. Yeah. So there's actually a lot of really interesting research on spanking. And one of the things that the research shows us is that though – it may seem effective and parents may say like, oh, I spanked them and they never did that again. That might be true. But we actually see an increase of other challenging behaviors when parents are uh, using spanking as a way to discipline their children. Hmm. What are those? Or or are they just specific to the child? Yeah, they're specific to the child. So let's say the child is spanked for um, yelling at the parent or doing something rude. So you might not see that exact behavior happen again. But now maybe they're hitting mm. or mm. they're biting or something else is going on. Mm. And, and when we really dig into that, it's because we're not teaching the child or giving instruction, like kind of the root of discipline um, when we're spanking. So we're not teaching them new ways of behaving or new ways of getting their needs met. So that need is still there. And children are amazing in that they're going to try their very best to get their needs met. And so if they learn that this doesn't get my needs met, they're going to try a different way. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's so, so interesting. So I like to start with just coming from that approach of spanking, because I know uh, for people that have been doing it for a long time, um, just saying like it's bad or it's wrong uh, doesn't necessarily give you a reason not to do it. And so I like to look really like dive into the research to say like, it's just not an effective way to teach our children new ways of getting their needs met. Yeah. Um, And I think that this is a really good place to kind of pause for a moment and say that as we're unpacking these traditional models of discipline, the three that you have mentioned, um, if you as a listener are a parent who uses any of these three models, this is not in any way to point fingers or shame. I know that I've used timeouts. I will still get pushed to the point where I take things away, especially the darn Nerf guns in our house right now. You know, like we all um, are out here trying our best trying to learn and, you know, meet our kids' needs in the most sort of effective way. But often for most of us, these are the tools that have been handed down to us as parents. You know, these are the forms of discipline that have been modeled for us. So in discussing these and in unpacking them, it is not at all about shaming or about pointing fingers. This is us about talking, like talking about the things that um, we've been taught for years and shown and modeled that aren't necessarily the most effective ways. And that there are some more effective ways that are going to feel better and be a better experience for you and your babe or your child, you know? So I just want to nip any of that shame or kind of sinking tummy feeling in the butt because that is not at all what we're here to, to do today. Exactly. Exactly. I think you, you said exactly it. Like this, these are the tools that we've been handed down and that are, that were handed down to our parents. And so 
if we don't know the research, if we don't dive into it, if we don't learn new ways of, of parenting and disciplining them, it totally makes sense that this is what we're doing. And so, yeah, there's no room for shame, no need for it. Um, yeah. And I'm so thankful that we can have a, a conversation like this here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the second one was, was it timeouts? Uh, yeah, the second one was timeouts. And so this is actually one of the most common questions I get because timeouts are still a very commonly used uh, practice as well and probably more commonly used than spanking um, just because it, it is a lot more of a gentle approach and, and parents can often feel better about timeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so the research would show on timeouts that most often when children were given a timeout, they didn't remember the behavior they were engaging in before the timeout and remember the punishment of get, of getting a timeout instead. Mm. Um, so the child may remember how it felt to have a timeout, what the timeout looked like. Um, but again, they might not remember why. And if they do remember why, it kind of goes back to a similar theme that we were talking about with spanking, where they haven't necessarily learned a new way to get that need met. Mm. So if we always go back to behaviors, communication, what is your child trying to communicate with you? Um timeouts are not necessarily teaching them new ways to get that need met. And in fact, sometimes timeouts can lead to more challenging behavior um, depending on what the need was. Mm-hmm. So for example, for example, a common need that a child is trying to communicate through their behavior is that they need a break or they're overstimulated or it's like, it's all just too much. Um, and so when we, a child is acting out in that way and they're overstimulated and so they're hitting their sibling or um, whatever it is that the behavior looks like and then they get a timeout in response to that, it can actually be reinforcing that behavior because it's it's helping them get their need met. Mm-hmm. And, and so then they're learning through hitting or biting or whatever it is, that, like whatever the behavior is, um, that they get their need of having a break met. And so instead of learning how to communicate that need, um, the next time that they need a break, they might hit and then they know that they can go to timeout and get a break. That's actually really interesting because I just had an occupational therapist on um, for episode 22. We were talking about like sensory sensitivities mm-hmm. and overstimulation and sort of throughout that conversation with her, I kind of narrowed down that my middle son gets pretty overstimulated. Um, mm-hmm. He's definitely got some, like, he's really proprioceptive. Like, he's really, like, bull in a china shop, really hands-on. I mean, he's three, so, of course, he's impulsive. Um, but yeah. he's really rough and tumble compared to my other boys. Um but he's definitely one to use hands-on more. And if it's because he's overstimulated, which he very well could be because he's more sensory sensitive, um, you know, putting him on a timeout or giving him that time to cool down is really, like you said, reinforcing that behavior instead of meeting the need to teach him how to calm down sort of before that or mm-hmm. without the whole timeout situation. Yeah, or even giving it may be helpful to try and give him the words to say, I need a break. Yeah. Um, before, like, if you see him that he's starting to get overwhelmed and he's like showing these signs, like I talk to parents about, and I call that the pattern of escalation. Like, it usually doesn't go from calm to all of a sudden like hitting his brother. Like, there's usually some signs in between. Yeah. Um, so if you start seeing that, you can be like, oh, wow, like I'm noticing that you might need a break right now. Yeah. And so yeah. instead of as a punishment, it's more of like a proactive measure. Yeah, that's a really great idea. Yeah. All right. And then the third one was taking things away. 
taking things away. And again, taking things away is really common. And I know you said you did that recently. I've definitely done this recently. Like, I think (laughs) I just got to be honest, like, I know it's something that as parents, like, we just go to that in those moments that are so hard, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So no judgment at all from me if this is something (laughs) that you commonly do, because I, I know it's not effective. And I still have tried to do this recently. Um, (laughs) So Taking things away is ineffective for a couple of reasons. So first, again, if we go back to behaviors communication, which I know I've said a million times, we're not teaching the child a new way to communicate with you to get their needs met. So again, it it goes back to that. It can feel effective sometimes because a child is highly motivated to have the item or activity back that we've taken away. But again, we're not teaching them new skills to get their needs met. And so it'll only be effective if it is effective in the short term. Mm -hmm. Another reason that the research shows us that taking things away is not an effective use of discipline is because often little children, so we're talking more about kind of like toddler, like early childhood, they often don't understand the cause and effect relationship. Mm. So what they are understanding is that they're angry at you because you took away a valued toy or activity, or you're the bad guy because you took a valued toy or activity away, and they want it back. Right. And so, right. So they feel like they're being punished, but they don't necessarily understand why they don't make the association. Yeah. And because a lot of the times, like, so for example, I'll give you my, my bad example of <laughs> not following my own tips. Yeah. It was the middle of the night. My daughter was waking up, which sometimes she's been doing lately. Um, I think in preparation, I'm having a baby in a couple weeks. You're also very pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also very (laughs) pregnant. (laughs) And I think she's feeling that. And so anyway, she was waking up. And I was like, if you keep waking up, then in the morning, we're not going out for breakfast, which is like what like we had planned to do. That was the plan. We had already talked about that. It didn't work. She she was not. And again, we want to think about what can we expect from our reasonably expect from our kids in these moments. Like when she's overtired and screaming at me, like she's not in the part of her brain that understands logic and that understands a cause and effect relationship. And so what happened in that moment was she just got more angry and more upset and more crying more. But it like the, the, the taking things away had no... It, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And also it wasn't associated with the behavior. So even if it made her stop crying in the morning, would she really have learned new ways to kind of communicate what she needed to communicate with me? Because um, it like the breakfast and the current behavior were not associated in any way. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's important to kind of um, just dig into that and to dig into again, what the purpose of discipline is. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. 
customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. I feel like a lot of parents that I work with hold this belief that like behavior, like negative behavior has to be consequenced. Like it cannot go without consequence. And what do you, how do you work that through with parents who are really kind of stuck in this belief that like they're getting away with murder if they're not getting a consequence for that behavior? Yeah. So a couple of things. So first of all, I would say that the type of parenting that I talk about on our mama village and with my clients like, I think there's a difference between giving a consequence and being permissive. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't agree with permissive parenting. I don't think we're setting our kids up for success if we're also permissive and just let them get away with everything. Um, But again, I would, I would encourage parents who say like there needs to be a consequence. I would encourage them to think about like why. And so I would, I have and do kind of press into parents and say, okay, why? Mm -hmm. Like, like what's your purpose? Like, what are you hoping to get out of using this consequence? Like what's your goal in parenting and kind of like push back on like, why does there have to be like this specific consequence Mm -hmm. or is our, 
our goal to really guide our kids and teach our kids ways of behaving that work and ways of behaving that don't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's, if that's our goal, then we can use um, discipline in a way that's going to be effective and really connect us with their kids and, and help set them up for emotional success and um, positive behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Like using a, and we can address this whole air quote, like a gentle style of discipline. Cause I know that that's not something that you use and I don't um, like, we can talk about what that looks like in a second, but using these gentler style approaches or these more relationally geared kind of moving towards connection approaches does not mean that we are removing all boundaries from our children and their behavior. Like the actual expectation and the boundary in the moment does not change, right? Like it's still, if I have the expectation that you, you know, shouldn't be hands-on at home or you should be trying to use your words or like whatever the expectation is, we don't bite, we don't hit, like those types of things. It doesn't, the expectation or the limit that has been set is not what is changing when we're talking about using a different style of discipline. What is actually changing is our approach as parents and how we're going to walk our child through that limit, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And so what I encourage parents to do as well in my practice is think about what are those things that are limits for you? Um, And I talk about with parents, what are things that are non-negotiable in your house? So what are things that like are just not okay with you, like maybe hitting or biting or hurting someone else. And it's okay to say to our kids, like, we can't let them do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And what are the things that we can be more flexible on? And so I I definitely look at that with parents as well um, and say that there's a big difference between permissive parenting, which is child, children aren't punished. There's no rules or there's no boundaries and kids can kind of run the house. Uh, Whereas in and we talked about gentle, conscious, positive, whatever, whatever word you want to use, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, And these other like newer kind of models of parenting, we're saying, I love you. And I won't let you engage in this behavior, or I can't let you engage in this behavior. Um, We're saying I love you. And there's going to be solid boundaries in this house. Yeah. but I'm going to guide you through them and I'm going to show you um, new ways of behaving. So I know that one of the things I keep alluding to is this whole gentle, conscious parenting, uh, mindful parenting approach. And you had sort of purposefully steered away from labeling your course as that. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on why? For sure. Yeah. So I personally, if you look at exactly what gentle discipline is, and we go, we dive into that inside of the course, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's exactly what we've been talking about throughout the podcast today. Um, But I really steered away from labeling my course as gentle discipline or labeling my page on Instagram as a gentle discipline page uh, for a couple of reasons. The first one is that I think when we talk about gentle discipline, the problem that sometimes happens is that parents who aren't following it to a T um, feel as though then if it's, if I'm not following this to a T, then I must be harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there can be a lot of shaming in the parenting pages and the parenting world on Instagram and yeah. in real life. Yeah, And I just, I didn't want to have to like 
be a part of that. And I, I don't want parents to ever come to my page or my course or my free toddler guide or anything that I put out there and feel like, man, if I don't follow this a hundred percent, then I guess I'm a harsh parent. Yeah. Or, um, so that to me was one of the biggest reasons that I, I steered away from using that exact languaging. Yeah. Um, and like, I know that you and I have had this conversation before, but it's like, um, some of the, like, if, anything can be taken to an extreme, right? Like when we're talking about like kind of polarizing camps of like discipline or polarizing camps of parenting or sleep training or anything like that, like anything can be taken to an extreme. And when we're talking about things like, like discipline um, taken to an extreme can provoke a lot of shame. Like for example, um, like a post that I had seen I don't know. There's all the posts about all kinds of things, right? That is essentially like if you don't do it and align exactly to these values and do it this type of way, then you feel a lot of shame like you're not doing it right, you know? And and I have also told you when looking at a lot of these Instagram pages or these communities, it's like a lot of people who really – sort of – I don't know if preach is the right word, but really advocate for – certain types of approaches, I'm sitting there like, okay, you've got like one kid and <laughs> this all sounds really yeah. perfect. You've also got like support and all these things. And I've got three kids and sometimes yeah. things are just messy, right? Like it's like I, we've walked through scenarios before where it's like, okay, yes, it, it is really um, helpful and necessary to like sit with my child and maybe proactively help him to calm and soothe and like learn some soothing activities. When I'm home by myself at dinner time with three (laughs) kids that are under the age of four that all have needs and I'm just like trying to keep put out all the fires, I'm not in a proactive space at that point. You know, like I'm not in a position to proactively have eyes on the back of my head to see when someone's about to like go and hit their brother for because they're ticked about something. So I think that in our conversation today, it's knowing that it is not about whether you're like, if you put your kid on timeout, you're not choosing or like breaking your child or being harsh right. or, you know, like there is room for mistakes. There are, is room like we've talked about and you've even given examples that we, sometimes we get it wrong. Our knee-jerk reaction is to maybe raise our voice and we really don't want to. And that's not, you know, in line with our values of how we want to parent, but motherhood is messy. And the reality is sometimes we don't sleep. Sometimes we have less resilience in the day when we wake up that we're not going to get it perfectly. And it's okay. You know, it's, it's yeah. a part of it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's so important to say that. And I, that's exactly why I don't, label this type of parenting as anything in particular because also I work with new moms and I have been a new mom and I know the anxiety that can come up around that too and so the last thing we want you to feel is more anxious like oh my goodness if I don't you know if I give a time out now I'm a bad parent or now I'm messing my child up which is just not true and right like and the unrealistic I, expectations that you put yeah. on yourself like, oh my gosh, if I had the hard and fast expectation that I'm never going to put my kid in a timeout again, <laughs> yeah, like I have to laugh. I'm sorry, because like there will be a day 
like I try very hard for it to not happen, but where everyone is going to just be losing it and everyone's going to need their own space and we're all going to have our own resets and times to ourselves. Like it's going to happen, you know? Um, So I think that also like being kind and gentle and compassionate with ourselves about these expectations that we're setting, like we're trying to do the best we can each day and respond to our kids' needs appropriately in the moment. But heck, we're going to get it wrong. And we have to be compassionate and gentle with ourselves when we do because it will happen, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I I think that's something within my course and within the page that we talk about a lot too, is just managing those expectations. And so releasing yourself from the pressure of having kids who are behaved perfectly 100% of the time, because Mm -hmm. let's be honest, that's never going to happen. And um, releasing yourself from the pressure from having a child who never has a meltdown or a tantrum or who never kicks or hits. Like, these are things that are going to happen. And so what we want to do is we want to think about practically how can we respond in a way uh, that's actually realistic. Mm-hmm. And like in, like you mentioned, in different seasons of your life, how you respond realistically might look different. Even in different moments, how you realistically respond might look different. Um, so I think it's really important that we are realistic as well. And I think that's another reason I, I kind of stay away from the word gentle because for some reason in my mind, when I hear see the word gentle, I kind of picture like this Instagram perfect mom with like, candles on in the background and things are always calm and peaceful. And yeah, uh, I think as we just know, as parents, especially for you, you have three boys, like, like, that's just not always going to be the reality. And so I think being a lot more um, practical and realistic about our expectations as well is important. Yeah, yeah, I think that expectations, you mentioned them earlier in the episode too, that like they're twofold and they're so important. One, like our expectations of ourselves and how we're going to respond and two, having age appropriate expectations of your child. So the, our expectations going into these situations are really going to control kind of like our self-talk and reactions and how we ebb and flow in these situations. And, you know, maybe we don't all know realistically what we should expect of our toddler. Like, I'm not trained in early childhood education. I don't know developmentally each stage. Well, actually, I'm starting to know like a doer with a lot of kids. <laughs> but like the average mom, you know, you shouldn't have to have an, a degree in everything to know like what expectations are, but I'm sure that this is something that you cover in your course. And if this is something that moms want to explore further, this whole idea of like when children can understand cause and effect and when to like, when you can change different expectations, depending on the developmental stage that the child is in. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I feel like we could do a whole other podcast on that episode, but I definitely, I dive into that in the course for infants, what we can expect from a developmental perspective from toddlers and from preschoolers. Cause even within that first five years, there's a lot of different developmental milestones that are going on. And, um, that can help us be a lot more compassionate on our kids too. And we can look at our toddler who's melting down and be like, you actually, you can't stop it right now because you're not in the logical part of your brain and you actually need to have this emotional release. And I can release myself from the pressure of trying to fix it right now and just allow this to happen in a safe way. Um, So those kind of developmental expectations, I think, can be so critical and key for us to know as parents. Yeah, 
Yeah, and something that people can do their research in and learn because, as I said, like these are not things that we inherently know. And motherhood is, you know, we expect that this like instinct is going to kick in and we're going to know exactly how to meet our child's needs and at every stage. Um, That is so unrealistic. Every step of the way in motherhood, we are learning and acquiring new skills. Um, And I know that for me, none of this is just sort of inherent. Like I've had to put in work and put in time to learn learn these skills to really try to connect with my child's needs and what it is they're trying to communicate. And, you know, it's kind of like you you start to become an expert in your children because you spend so much time trial and error and making those mistakes to learn how to really connect and get through to each one of them individually. Yeah, for sure. I think a really helpful mindset for parents is just like my child is learning how to behave for the first time, I'm learning how to respond to their behavior for the first time. And that's true for every child that you have. If you have three, four, five kids, it's true for every child. We're trying to figure out how to respond to their behavior in the best ways, just like they're trying to figure out how to make sense of the world and what behavior works and what behavior doesn't work. And, And so where I do like the word gentle is we need to be gentle on our kids, but we also need to be gentle on ourselves in those moments and know that it's okay, perfectly okay and normal to not always know how to respond to our kids. Right. Oh, and just when you think you've got it figured out with your first, you have a second or a third that comes along with a different temperament and a whole other different type of set of behaviors that are going to like, you know, surface new reactions in yourself or frustrations, right? Like it's, it's something like that we're constantly learning and constantly taking in. And another piece to this is like, we're not going to be able to unpack it today. And I've talked about it in other podcast episodes is like the reactions that come up in yourself are often Mm -hmm. based on your own experiences as a child, right? Like I work with a lot of parents who parent out of, well, this was my upbringing and I don't ever want this child to turn out this way or Mm -hmm. have to experience this experience. Um, And so with, with each new child or each new level of development, your own stuff comes up too, right? So, so much of parenting, I find like I had no idea, no idea going into mothering that it was going to be me doing my own introspective work. Oh, for sure. I think that's one of the biggest shocks of parenthood is like, oh my goodness, now I have to deal with all these things that I didn't realize about my childhood or didn't really think about no matter if you had a good or a bad childhood, but you know, it, you want to evaluate and think about how you want to be as a parent and back to those values that you talk about in your journals. And I talk about in my course as well. Like we, we want to think about what we value and what we want to instill to our kids and what we want them to say about us. And, um, yeah, it can feel overwhelming. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, like, I just want you to know you're not alone in that. And, um, that it, sometimes it, it feels really hard and yeah, you're not alone in that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it feels like, I don't know, it's, it's the hardest and the most rewarding journey to be on. And I I recently posted a quote. Um, It was a Beyonce quote, very random, but it said, (laughs) when I met my daughter, I was like introduced to myself for the first time or something along those lines. And I'm just like, all of the goosebumps and feels Mm -hmm. for that, because there, 
it's just something that when you have these children or a child or this baby, um, you really do meet a new depth and level of yourself that you did not even know was there. And often that person is stronger and more resilient than you ever thought possible and is capable of things that you, you wouldn't have imagined being capable of. And it is a beautiful and messy and hard and excruciating <laughs> journey, but it's all of those things, right? It's mm-hmm. both, it's the duality of both beauty and chaos, you know, um, and that that's okay. And that's normal to feel both things and to feel maybe the loss of grieving your old life, but feel the overwhelming joy of this new experience and journey that you're on at the same time. So yeah, that, that duality of both the messiness and the beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So Jess, where can people find you? Maybe tell us a little bit more about your course. It's for, um, you know, children and behaviors and helping parents work through these challenging behaviors and, and where are you hanging out these days? Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'm hanging out on Instagram and my Instagram handle, like you said before, is our mama village. And you can find me there and posting usually every day, different tips, uh, kind of quick tips on parenthood uh, with simple graphics or pictures um, just to help kind of introduce you to this style of parenting. And also I talk about mental health and motherhood and parenthood on my page as well, because I see that they're so closely connected and I can't really talk about children and their behavior without also talking about taking care of your mental health as a parent. So I talk Mm -hmm. about both those things. Um, And then if you're looking to kind of take it to the next level with your understanding of child behavior and developmental norms and discipline, like the things that we talk about, we talked about today, I get way more into detail of all of these things. And then I teach you how to actually discipline your child um, and respond to their challenging behaviors. And we go through some really common challenging behaviors that kids have. And I teach you how to get curious and understand what the needs are. Um, in, in my course that I launched. And like I said, I didn't want to label it a specific parenting style. So we ended up calling the course Raising Human Beings. That's the first part. And then How to Parent Little Kids with Big Feelings. And uh, and I love it. And I love, like, I as I say, I know you, I follow you. We're developing this awesome friendship. And I learned so much from you in how you coach parents, even on your Instagram page and your stories and respond in your Q&As. Like, I, you're just such a wealth of knowledge and, and practical tips and advice. And I learned so much from you. I really value your perspective. I value the work that you're doing. And I'm so excited to see how many moms and parents and families you impact with this course you've developed. So thank you so much for for coming to share with us today and taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Erica. I have to echo the same back to you. I recommend your podcast to so many of my clients and friends, and I just have only heard amazing things back. And so you're doing some awesome work too. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you so much. Guys, how awesome was that conversation? Jess is just so incredibly amazing. Now, it wasn't intentional that we didn't get into some of the really concrete ways that you can discipline because we just didn't have the time today. We will hopefully in the future book some time. Jess is also expecting a baby any moment now, so she can go into labor, you know, in the next few weeks. So, 
Fingers crossed, we're waiting on that one. But if you cannot wait to learn more and to know how to problem solve through your child's behavior in a more effective way than what we've been taught or modeled by our parents, Jess has just launched her course, Raising Human Beings, How to Parent Little Kids with Big Feelings. And I highly recommend it. Guys, I've gone through the course for my own learning because I really respect and value what Jess has to offer. And I'm so excited to partner with her in offering you guys 10% off the course. To learn more, you can go to happyasamother.co slash shop discount code happy as a mother 10. That's happy as a mother.co slash shop discount code happy as a mother 10. Wishing you guys a wonderful week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.